Hey, everybody. Welcome to Solid Steps Radio, the Zoom Facebook Live version. This is our very first Facebook Live Zoom meeting. Uh, not meeting. See, we're all in Zoom mode right now. This is the very first time we've ever actually done a, a social media version, live version of Solid Steps Radio Live. And we would thank you and hope you will uh, bear with us a little bit because we are trying to do all of this in a way as you all are trying to bear with doing school and everything you've done in life. Uh, we are doing things a little bit differently now. So uh, again, this is uh, my name is Chad Russell. If you have never seen us, uh, my, uh, I am the co-host with my buddy here, Kurt Souter, and we have been doing a radio show for the past four years called Solid Steps Radio. It's a show for men, by men, talking about stuff from a man's perspective. Now, uh, we have been uh, doing radio now for four years, but today we're going to do this version that will hopefully uh, still give you the idea of, uh, of what we're trying to uh, accomplish, which is just basically tell the story that God is writing in men's lives. And uh, we think that it's worth telling. So uh, today uh, we are going to have a guest on who, oddly enough, and we're in a world right now that is social distancing. 60 days ago, you didn't know what the term social distancing meant. <laughs> and now the whole world is practicing that. It has changed us mm -hmm. now and maybe for the long haul. But our guest, who's been on our show about 38 times, uh, <laughs> so it seems, <laughs> uh, he's a friend of our show. We love him. Uh, he's going to be on, though, today. He has been practicing social distancing for now over 20 years. And he's been doing it. And let me tell you a quick story. A couple of times where he's been on the show, he's walked in and he's had the mask on and he has been washing his hands pretty uh, regularly. And I had, I had lunch once, once with, with Chuck. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy's a germaphobe. Okay. I'm like, dude, okay, relax. <laughs> but I did not know the reason why he was doing that he wasn't doing it for him he was doing it for someone else and now we are in a time frame where people have a lot of opinions on whether we should or should not be open or close Man, that's fine knock yourselves out we can have that debate but we want to have a perspective today on why some people social distance maybe more than others and this is not a show about the coronavirus this is about making some sacrifices so we hope that you can tune in for the next uh, few segments here. We're going to talk about what it means to really sacrifice, not just for you, but for someone else. So, Chuck Tackett, it is great to have mm -hmm. you back on the show. Great to be back on the show, guys. You know, Chuck, uh, you know, Chad and I have noticed over the years that, yes, you have uh, frequently uh, are washing your hands and uh, frequently, especially in the wintertime, you have a mask on. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's happening a lot right now. All, I mean, just all over our culture and society in, in light of the coronavirus. And, but you've been practicing it for how many years have you actually been wearing a mask really uh, a lot during the winter months? But explain that a little bit, Chuck, how long have you been doing that? Yeah. Well, I've been doing that for 22 winters and uh, early springs. Uh, and the reason I started doing it was uh, right around uh, a little bit over 22 years ago, uh, Kim and I had our daughter, Carly, and um, 
within about four days of Carly being born, uh, uh, she became just uh, really, really listless. Um, we took her to her pediatrician on a Sunday morning, and the pediatrician said, uh, we need to go to the hospital right now. And so we headed down to Cozair uh, Children's Hospital, now known as Norton Children's, um, an absolutely uh, essential place for our community and the exact place you never want to end up. Okay. And so we uh, went on an odyssey for about 18 days, about five and a half days, Carly was in uh, pediatric intensive care. Um, and for five and a half days, we had absolutely no idea at all what her problem was. Um, and uh, we spent, uh, Carly spent 18 days in the hospital. And so we had to come to grips with the fact in early July about um, what would Carly need? What was her medical concern? And basically Carly's medical concern to this day is called methylmalonic acidemia. Uh, it's one of the organic acidemias. Uh, there are boatloads of organic acidemias, which just simply means that when the kids, when any kid with an organic acidemia uh, gets sick, gets a cold or gets a flu or any kind of a bug, the reality is their cells become acidotic. So the pH balance that you really need in your cellular structure uh, has to be maintained. And so for Carly, uh, when she gets a cold or the flu, uh, it's a life or death experience for her. And so we have to, in a matter of a couple of hours or so, uh, have her down to the emergency room. Uh, and then the specialist comes in and makes sure that she gets her uh, special intravenous solution. And without that intravenous solution, uh, she would pass away in three to four days. So, hey, so Chuck, um, <laughs> so it, you, you sense that Carly is just a little bit sick. You immediately right. head to the hospital. Right, right. And, and the example would be if I get sick whatsoever, I go upstairs, you know, and Kim slips me food under the door. Okay. Um, you know, so uh, we, we just don't take a chance at all for Carly to get ill. Um, so when I have to be out in a public context, like I go have to go grocery shop, shopping, something like that, then, you know, really year round, I'm wearing the mask. Uh, because I don't know if somebody has been in that aisle and sneezed or coughed or hacked or whatever. I just have to make sure that I don't come down with it because best case scenario, if I come down with something, then I have to go upstairs. And that means it's at least, at least seven days, maybe as long as 10 days before I can have any contact with Carly whatsoever. And that just puts a tremendous amount of stress on her. So I do everything I can to avoid it. So, so I've been you... practicing social distancing for 22 years. So when you go to the grocery store, you go to, right. you know, wherever you are yeah. wearing that mask all the yeah. time, all the time, all the time. So you're the, you, you mentioned that you're, you're now normal for the first time. Uh, in, yeah, it was, it was surprising when we got a delivery uh, from a, a local store that has a click list, let's just say, and we're standing out there and we're waiting about 85% of the people who walked out of the store had mask on. Okay, which I thought, wow, join join with the groovy crowd, you know, to date myself here. Okay, <laughs> you know, so uh, so yeah, it was wild to to actually see that. But then it's not safe for for Kim or I to go into a store anymore, so we don't. So we get deliveries to the house, or we get deliveries to uh, um, click list and stuff like that. Got it. And yeah. so so Chuck. Um, 
when when you took Carly home from the hospital right. that first time, did you right. understand? I mean, when did the, when did all did you understand then what what it would take for you? Well, and Kim? we we had a we had a workable guess as to what the diagnosis likely was. Okay, and so um, uh, while Carly was in the hospital, she had a skin biopsy. Uh, that skin biopsy was sent to McGill University uh, in Canada. Uh, because that's the only place that can diagnose methylmalonic acidemia, or commonly called MMA. And uh, in October of that year, of the year she was born, we officially had the diagnosis that she was MMA cobalamin, cobalamin A. Cobalamin is just the medical term for B12, okay? Which means in her cellular structure that her cellular structure, the enzymatic system in the cellular structure doesn't function like it needs to when she gets sick. And really, every day doesn't do that. You, you mentioned to me the other day that if we yep. had a, a, a something along the lines, if we had the acidic. Um, well, if we had Carly's MMA levels in our bloodstream, uh, we wouldn't make it. We wouldn't survive. So one of the amazing things about Carly is there's there's some there's something that enzymatically is happening within her cellular structure that enables her to be alive with moderately high MMA levels. Okay. And so that, that's one thing that's always amazed us. We've talked to the specialist. Uh, we've even met the number one guy in the world uh, that, that is basically the official guy that diagnoses methylmalonic acidemia and which subset you are of that disorder. Uh, of that. It's called a recessive genetic disorder, which, which meant that I carry that recessive gene and Kim carries that recessive gene. So that if we were to have a child, there would be a 25% chance that we would have a child that would have methylmalonic acidemia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. what we don't know is most of us carry recessive genes for all kinds of organic acidemias. We just happen to marry someone that doesn't carry that recessive gene. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey guys, we want to take a quick break here. We want to thank uh, thank a couple of our sponsors, Ellen and Credit Union and Vision First uh, and Frank Enterprises. Those three guys, uh, organizations, those businesses have been helping us from day one. And we want to thank them for help sponsoring our show and really helping us be able to, to come into uh, come into this uh, realm, even though as we're doing social distancing and social media, they've been there from day one and we want to thank them for sponsoring our show. A young couple was struggling financially and decided to attack the problem. After a few minutes of figuring, the young wife exclaimed, if we skip two payments on the refrigerator and one payment on the washer, will have just enough to put a down payment on a new television. Well, everyone has to learn that it doesn't pay to put off the inevitable. Bills come due and they have to be paid. The Bible talks about the folly of putting off the day of salvation and the wisdom of calling on God while you can. No one knows what tomorrow may bring. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Reach out to God today on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today. Uh, Kurt, did you, uh, when you heard his story for the first, when you heard Carly's story for the first time from Chuck, what, what went through your mind? Oh, I was thinking... I, I actually was talking my, with my wife Nancy about it. I said, Nancy, what you know, what would it be like? 
and what if you were Carly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we, we started just talking about, you know, um, and so Chuck, I, I have a couple questions, mm -hmm. you know, regarding, yeah. you know, not only do you have, and, and Kim have to have masks mm -hmm. on and take mm -hmm. real good care yeah. of your own health and the precautions, but mm -hmm. Carly, and, yeah. and so what about school for Carly? What about yeah. uh, friendships with Carly? Mm -hmm. how, how does she navigate those, those mm -hmm. difficult waters? Yeah. Well, uh, from the beginning, we've homeschooled Carly uh, because to send her to school would be, um, let's just say it wouldn't be good for her health, you know, and, and the ultimate outcome in her life would not be good at all. And so Kim has done an admirable job, just a fantastic job of homeschooling Carly uh, throughout the years. And then I bring in some assists here or there where Kim wants me to. Um, she's got cousins that live here in town and in the, in the Kentuckiana area. And so uh, we can pretty well um, do contact tracing, uh, which is, you know, what, how have the cousins, what have the cousins been doing? How have the cousins been, you know, have they been exposed to any illnesses, anything like that? Uh, so we've been doing contact tracing along with the social distancing uh, from the get-go because that's what the specialist told us we needed to do. Um, you know, and so, but she's got friends at church. And so, um, you know, we'll set up times where she meets with her friends at church, typically at church. And uh, they know that they can't be ill themselves and they can't be, you know, around people who've been ill within the last uh, 48 to 72 hours. You, yeah. you know, Chuck, as you're describing this, uh, what mm -hmm. Carly and what you, you and Kim, you know, mm -hmm. do to practice health, mm -hmm. I, I, I hear, you know, there's folks, you know, we've, we've been battling this coronavirus now for the last, mm -hmm. what, seven mm -hmm. weeks or so. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's there's people who are maybe grumbling a little bit, um, frustrated, mm -hmm. want to get back to work, want to get back to their real life. Mm -hmm. And yet this is your real yeah. life. Yeah, no, this is, this is without a doubt our real life. And this will be our life for, you know, until we walk into the presence of the Lord, this will be our life, you know? And so long ago, we came to the place where we just kind of accepted that that was going to be the way it was. You know, uh, we had the great privilege of having Carly as a daughter. Uh, she was just all the time fun to raise, fun to be around. Um, she's tiny. She's four, four, nine. Uh, but she has the voice of someone that you would guess to be seven, six. Okay. She just has this powerful voice, especially when she sings. She just has a tremendously strong voice. And most people who hear her sing just simply say, how could that big of a voice come from that small of a body? You know, and she's four nine because height in my family uh, runs from four, nine, four, 10 to six, six. Okay. So she still fits within the range in general of, of what we expect in my family. Okay. So, yeah. So Chuck, talk, talk about you and Kim and yeah. thinking about Carly's future. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in some real honest ways, it's just daily we invest in her. Okay. All of the things that kids will eventually get to in their teenage years and their adulthood years, Carly will get to experience all of those things too. Uh, but most kids that have uh, MMA, methamalonic acidemia, um, they typically run anywhere from two to four years behind 
they attain all of the markers that all of that most the vast majority of kids attain. They just don't attain them as rapidly as other kids. You know, so all of the things that, you know, that your kids are or will experience, Carly will get to experience those things too. So it's just going to be a longer, you know, a longer delay for her to be able to get to that place where she can experience all of those things. So it's and Carly. So you, mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go ahead. Kurt. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chuck. No, I was going to say, and you, you know, you and I talked on the phone about dating. Uh, yeah, she'll get to experience that kind of stuff. But the reality is, um, I don't want to have to kill the young man. Okay. <laughs> and I've joked with you guys before that, uh, uh, one of my pastor friends in New York city, uh, showed me the actual corner that you go to, to hire the hitman in lower Manhattan, you know? So I'm thinking like, I don't want to have to go to that corner ever again. So I, I fear for this young man, whoever he will be, you know, <laughs> What, um, where is Carly right now in her school and her education? Uh, she's uh, late middle school, I would say, in her development academically, you know, and so academically, emotionally, she's in that range of seven, eight years uh, grade wise. Uh, but she'll, she'll get to the, through the high school stuff probably by the time she's about uh, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned to me the other day, one of her greatest delights, mm-hmm. share, share with well, our audience. One of uh, her everything, delights. everything in our household surrounds uh, worship on the weekend. I mean, everything does, you know, worship, uh, the worship hour on for us on Saturday is, is the number one hour of the week. And so uh, being at Southeast, they do some things that benefit us, um, and I will also say, uh, you guys see me in my office here today at Hunsinger Lane Baptist Church. Hunsinger Lane, their eldership, uh, Paul and Kip and Gary especially, all three of those elders have been there for me and enabled me to be there for Carly in ways that if I had to go out and have an office somewhere else, I frankly wouldn't be able to be. So I, I will be eternally thankful for those elders, eternally thankful to Pastor Charlie, who's was the pastor here for many, many years, and he's now down in uh, northeast Mississippi. Uh, pastoring down there. So I'm just thankful for those guys and thankful for what Southeast does. But the hour that Carly has to worship on Saturday night, you know, uh, Carly plays, starts playing on a Thursday night, all of the worship, all of the worship music. And we just hear her playing the music and singing to the music, you know, from Thursday night all the way until we are in the car driving to worship and she's singing songs of worship in the car. Okay, so when we get there, she's she's been primed now for two and a half days to worship, you know. So, so, so it's an important part for us. Yes, I. I so yeah. how how does how does this affect you being not being able to worship? I mean, we can worship at home. We do, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, through through social media, and but how how does that affect you guys not being able to be physically in a location mm-hmm. of worshiping together? Well, that's that's really the hardest thing for Carly to deal with right now, you know, to to not be able to be at worship on Saturday, on Saturday night, uh, to not be able to kind of um, uh, signal her friends who are worshiping and, you know, chat with them before or after the worship service. Uh, that's that's hard on her, you know, because that's the number one hour of the week for Carly. It, it, and it has been since we since we started that around four years ago. You know, so we worship now on Sunday morning. 
you know, we will, we'll do the 1130 service and she will stand and sing. And I'm quite confident that neighbors um, a quarter of a mile away will hear her sing. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Chad, and, and, she'll, and she'll sit there guys and she'll sit there and she'll take notes uh, from the pastor sermon and all that stuff. So yeah, she's very involved in it. Chad, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to ask, uh, so you all, do you, when we were going to a physical church yeah. pre-coronavirus, she was physically going to church? She was physically in church. Yeah. yeah. What kind of precautions and, did you have to make specific to when you got into a building, no matter where it is, whether you have 100 people or 1,000 people? How, all, how you... all three of us are wearing masks. Uh, we get there typically 35 to 40 minutes ahead of time. And uh, then the ushers take us to uh, the secret location they put us, and we stay in that secret location, and we worship the Lord there, mm. you know. Uh, and, and the elders at church, um, the pastors, the elders, uh, the ushers, I mean, they're all just, uh, they're just fantastic people in the way they continue to minister to Carly, you know. And we're, we're just, we will be eternally thankful uh, for their work and ministry to her. Chuck, so yeah, we're there with, early. Yeah. Chuck, talk with us a little bit about how you and Kim have coped with, um, obviously you love Carly yeah. dearly and you yeah. would die for her. And yet yeah. you've had to cope. How, because I, I think there's people right now who are wearing masks and, you know, it's only been six weeks or, you know, uh, and, and they get frustrated. But you've been doing this for years, for decades. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how have you and Kim coped with this? Mm -hmm. And, um, and actually I'm going to hold off because we're going to take a break yeah. here okay. um, and, and we're just going to thank our sponsors and then you can answer that question. Now you're, you're going to talk again about, uh, about vision first. Who made <laughs> yeah. Excellent eyeglasses. Is that what you add? They give you your contacts, right? I got my contacts from there and All you right. have your glasses on. So there That's we go. Right. So <laughs> we're also going to talk about uh, some folks that we've who've been very helpful for us. Dan Hart Financial. If you need your financials, uh, especially your retirement now with everything that's going on, Dan Hart can take care of that. Southern Smoke Catering. Uh, I don't know if they're delivering door to door, but you want to make sure that when the time opportunity presents itself and you can get food brought to your home or you can go get it catered somewhere, Southern Smoke Catering is the place to do it. And also Bright Star Home Care. Uh, that's an organization that helps people to help loved ones who are in need of whether it's 24 seven care or once a week, if you've got a loved one who is aging into a, an, a season of life that needs care, that's what Bright Star Home Care does. And we wanna thank those folks for, for sponsoring the show. According to a new survey, more Americans listed churches and houses of worship as their number one priority for reopening public spaces for gatherings. This is truth itself. The Scott Rasmussen poll found a full 35% of Americans said that on their list of priority reopenings for mass gatherings, churches and houses of worship should be reopened as soon as possible. All in all, another 31% said they'd like to first see schools reopened, 21% listed bars and restaurants, and only 14% prioritized entertainment events like basketball games and concerts. The poll comes out as some churches have begun pushing back on what many have called an unconstitutional infringement on religious freedom. You can see these stories and more on our website, truthitself.com.
This is a message from everyone at MediShare for nurses, hospital staffs, and doctors. Thank you. And thank you, first responders and grocers. Thank you, truck drivers and delivery workers. Thank you, caretakers of the elderly and vulnerable. Thank you from the more than 400,000 members of MediShare. So, Chuck, back to how you and Kim have coped. Because what what I'm really after is how have you managed through the years to um not not just survive but mm-hmm. move forward in, in a thriving mode of living yeah. and how we can then practically transfer that over to the folks right now who are struggling with coronavirus and mm-hmm. uh, give some pointers to yeah. them yeah well just one other bit of background history for carly that ties into the to your question closely uh, Carly has been in the hospital uh, treated at Cozier Norton Children's um, right around 35 times. Okay. Uh, it's been now about two and a half years uh, since she was there last. So um, uh, Kim and I have learned how do you really connect with one another well? And we've learned the importance of making, of, of having a good relationship. Uh, Even when things are difficult, even when you're worried, even when you're stressed, you still have an opportunity to make a loving and caring connection with one another. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons any any family, any couple, any family struggling, you know, with uh, with any of this uh, bit of the covid society. And that's what I call it. We live in a covid society right now, you know. Uh, we sometimes think, okay, this this additional stress, this additional pressure that I'm experiencing in life, you know, um, I I, I got to send it somewhere. It's building up within me. You know, I've got to fire it out of me somehow, some some way. Well, no, you don't have to. You can sit down with your spouse and you can say, hey, honey, I don't know what's going on with you, but I am stressed to the max because of all of the additional stuff we've got to deal with in a COVID society. You know, and it's freaking me out and I don't really like it. And yet we're here, we're in this situation, you know, so you have to be open and honest with one another about the stress that you're experiencing and not necessarily try to fix it, but just note that stress to one another. Mm. And then at the end of that, instead of just sending it towards one another, where you start being combative, you start arguing, you start getting on one another's case. Okay. If you catch yourself doing that, if you catch yourself arguing with your spouse right now, just call time on it. Just call time on it and say, hey, I'm, I'm stressed. My best guess is you are too by all of this crazy stuff that we're having to deal with. You know, I, I think, you know, uh, Chad, of you, I mean, homeschooling six boys now. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm wondering if you need anabolic steroids just to endure all the pace of it all. Okay. Uh, my <laughs> wife never do steroids. Of, Jenna drinks a lot of coffee. <laughs> well, understandably so. Okay. <laughs> understandably so. You know, but that, that, you know, all families right now are dealing with the stress of a COVID society. So Kim and I have learned that when you're in that pressure filled situation, you know, you're going to feel the pressure. Acknowledge step, step one, acknowledge the pressure to yourself. Step two, acknowledge the pressure to one another. Acknowledge what you're experiencing. Acknowledge what you're feeling to one another and then seek to be compassionate to one another mm-hmm. and then realize the next step, realize you can actually get close to one another in the midst of an awful situation. Mm. You don't have to be distant from one another in the midst of a horrible situation. So some of the times in life where Kim and I have felt the, 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 the closest with one another have been sometimes when Carly's been in the hospital. 
you know, we have a, we have a rhythm when Carly has to be in the hospital and that is Kim takes care of Carly and I take care of Kim, you know, and I take care of Carly's dog, you know, so, you know, we all have our roles, we all have our responsibilities and we do our roles and our responsibilities, you know, um, but I'm so thankful that, that we can be loving and caring and tender to one another in the midst of a really difficult situation. And any, any couple out there hearing this, you can do that too. Chuck, what are some other practical things that you and Kim have done when the stress is high um, mm-hmm. that we can pass on to our listeners? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things we do is... Uh, we make a point to just be very kind to one another. We make a point to be tender to one another. And you guys know me, you know, you know, I have all of the ability in the world to be a bull in a China shop, you know, and I can do that very, very easily. That's kind of my core nature is to be that way. Um, and so on a rare occasion, I'm, I can be that way towards Kim. And when I am, I just look at her and say, honey, I apologize. I'll try to put the bull away for a while here. <laughs> you know, I apologize for that, honey. And Kim's, you know, always uh, forgiving and always kind in that situation, you know. Um, and so we're all going to make mistakes. And on a very rare occasion, Kim might make a misstep here or there towards me. And I'll just look at it and I'll say, hey, what do you expect with the stress that she's under? Mm-hmm. You know, Carly has a very specific dietary regimen. And every single day, perfectly, Kim is executing that, res- that, that dietary regimen that Carly has and, and the weight of that and the pressure of that. And to make sure that Carly has everything that she needs every single day. That's a lot guys. Yeah. You know, that's a lot, hey, but Chuck, even in me, that we pull together. Let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. Two questions, I guess, really one is, I don't know if I learned this from you over the years, if I, I'm going to give you credit. Okay. For mm-hmm. it. So let's just say I did. Um, but I used to always, if my wife was upset, frustrated or anything, I would try to figure out and try to talk her into reason why she shouldn't be. Right. right? Like, what, what are you mad about? And, and you shouldn't be mad. And I, I've come to this, hopefully more of a realization that she has every right to be frustrated, upset at anything. She has that right to be, especially in these times. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's important to acknowledge. Like you said, just mm-hmm. saying something, say, Hey, I know things are stressful you've had a bad day and not try to talk them out of their frustration. Uh, that's something that is pretty important, I, I guess, based on what mm-hmm. you said. Um, yeah. And then the other, the other part of it is um, when, when you've got someone who's has a, is a caretaker in that capacity right now, there are mi- millions of moms who are doing caretaking. They never thought they were going to be doing 60 days ago and they are on the oh, yeah. job experience right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. As a husband and a father uh, talking to the guys, what yeah. other than hey, honey, what can I do to help? That's that's not that, that's not business. We can't operate as business as usual, right? How? Oh, no, it's no, it's no way is it business as usual now in our society, and it's yeah. not going to be business as usual uh, ultimately until they have a vaccine that works well, or until our society reaches a a saturation point of 85% of people in every given community having had the virus. Yeah. Only when we achieve those two things, will we fully be able to get back to complete normal? Well, and my, my question was though, in yeah. that was, 
Mm-hmm. What do we give, give talk? What have you done over the years to say, you know what, I'm going to have to take the initiative and mm-hmm. do things that she didn't, she's not going to maybe come to you and go, Hey, can you do this for me? We've got to mm-hmm. take the initiative. Talk about doing things like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I think every single day you've got to check in with your wife and, and see how she's doing, you know, and, and as, as a husband, don't assume that you have to fix it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, she doesn't want you to fix anything. She wants you to just slow down and listen to her life. Listen to the story of her life that day. Okay. She's intelligent. She can figure out how to fix the vast majority of things that she's got to deal with. She doesn't need you to do that for her. So just, just listen to her story and let her know that you love her, that you care about her and that you're thankful for her that you love her, you care about her, and you're thankful for her. You're thankful that she's your wife. And and that gives her uh, the mental, emotional, uh, and even spiritual fuel that she needs to be able to deal with the stuff that's in front of her. So be affirming of one another, you know, because Scripture is very clear in Ephesians 5. It's the husband's responsibility to nourish and cherish. And the best way, the best way to translate the word cherish is to be tender. And the best way to translate the word nourish is actually feed her, Mm. you know, connect with her in a way that, that you connect positively with her emotions, even if her emotions are difficult for her, just love on her when she deals with those difficult emotions, Uh, connect with her thinking, understand how she's thinking, care enough about how she's thinking, not for you to fix it, just to understand it. Find out what her physical needs are and do the best you can to address those physical needs. Find out what her spiritual needs are and do the best you can to assist her as she addresses her spiritual needs. Okay, sometimes we have the belief that a husband somehow, some way is responsible for his life's spiritual, for his wife's spiritual life. No. No, she didn't come to faith in Christ through you. She didn't get saved in a different way than you. What do we say? The foot of the cross, the, the foot of the cross, it's level ground. We all come to faith in Christ the same way. Yeah. You do have the responsibility to be alongside her and nourish her and, and cherish her. You know, feed all of who she is as a person. And then I think for me, if you can, husbands, give her one night a week where you can fix the meal and clean it up. One night where she doesn't have to worry about that at all. And while you're fixing supper and taking care of the kiddos, you know, um, ask her to go upstairs and read or listen to a show that she would enjoy. Mm. Give her a break one night. Okay. I think that'll if, preach, Chuck. I think that will preach. <laughs> uh, yes, it will. I promise you it does. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Not Chuck, just as a clinician, I'm, but as a psychologist, as a psychologist and as a husband, I can tell you it does. Chuck, we're gonna um, we need, we're gonna take a break here, but we're gonna thank our uh, sponsors again. But we want to uh, we're gonna unpack this next one of how do we how, continue to expound on that sacrificial living, what the Bible says about that. But Chad, go ahead and uh, thank our visit uh, our our uh, folks that sponsor us. Yeah, we want to thank the Southeast Outlook. Uh, there's a local uh, publication that talks about the stories that God is writing and throughout the, uh, his kingdom around the world. Iroquois Family Dental, 
uh, that crew uh, who helps take care. They got two offices locations here in the Louisville area. Uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring their show. They are a family-friendly dental office. Uh, Veritech generators who help put in uh, generators, if residential, commercial, or even a service of generators. They take care of that. And then Country Lake Retreat Center. There's not a lot of retreats going on right now at Country Lake, but when they do open up for business, you won't find a better place to do that. So we want to thank those folks for sponsoring our show as we uh, finish up here the next uh, seven, eight minutes. Satan didn't disappear when Jesus rose from the dead. He's still at large. But Dr. Tony Evans says something crucial changed when Christ was resurrected. He'll tell us what it is and what it means as we spend two minutes with Tony. It says in Colossians 2, he nailed our sins to the cross, verse 15, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Your sin was paid for by the death of Christ. But because Jesus rose from the dead, something else happened according to verse 15. Satan's ammo was deactivated. He went into his own house of death, not only beat him at death because he rose from the dead, he stole the people out of death who were trapped there. And he redeemed us, Galatians 3.13 says, from the curse of the law. So that roaring lion had his teeth pulled out. And now he's on a leash. Now this lion has been deactivated. Now you say, but I thought you were going to tell me how I can get Satan off my back. You may not know it, but I am. Jesus says, I took his weapons. Well, now we understand the person of Christ. It had to be a man empowered by God. We understand the payment of Christ. Finally, if you're going to be victorious in this angelic conflict over Satan, who's still alive, who still intimidates, you're going to have to understand your position in Christ. That's why it doesn't end with the resurrection. Jesus Christ was enthroned by God the Father and all powers came under him, including the power of demons. If you need help breaking free from whatever Satan has used to keep you tied down, visit us at TonyEvans.org for details about Tony's book, Warfare, Winning the Spiritual Battle. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You know, Chuck, um, the book of Philippians talks about we're to have the attitude of Christ <laughs> and uh, that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, Paul says. <laughs> and, then, and then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, uh, I, you know, I, I became a Jew. Uh, I, I became a Jew to those who were Jewish. I became weak to those who were weak. I, I, I did everything I could by all means so that people could be saved through the gospel and through my ministry. And I thought, wow, what a, what a perspective to bring into not, not only your world uh, with Carly, but the world that we live in right now with the coronavirus. And really, how do we have that kind of same heartbeat as we try to live out the gospel, um, could you talk about that from your perspective? Yeah. Well, I think what helps us in that situation is if in just about every situation we focus on uh, what kindness, what sacrificialness can we send to the person we're actually interacting with? You know, so, so much of the time nowadays, um, people are wondering, does anybody care about them? Do they even matter to anybody? You know, they're, they're stressed to the max. And in the clinical world, 
you know, I would say most, again, most people have this adjustment disorder phenomenon going on in their lives and they're either more depressed than they typically would be, or they're more anxious than they than they typically would be, or they're depressed and anxious, or on occasion, they're acting out in some form or fashion. They're, they have a conduct dimension to this adjustment disorder, which is a purely stress caused disorder. Okay. And you either learn to cope with the disorder like Kim and I have done, or you learn to pray that one day the challenge will go away and you'll be able to get back. But again, we're not going to get back to a normal society for until a vaccine or until we get 85% saturation uh, in a given community, okay, uh, of the COVID-19. Um, so for me, it's really when you're out and about and, and you do come in contact with people, be extra gracious to people, be extra kind to people, mm-hmm. okay? And even allow them to be kind to you, okay? So just allow them to be kind to you too. Mm. You know, don't shut off their kindness to you. So typically on a Fridays, I I go to a certain sandwich shop. Uh, They see me come to the door. Uh, They bring out the traditional Friday late afternoon sandwich I have. Um, and sometimes they give it to me free, uh, but if they do, I'm going to make doggone sure that I leave a good tip, you know, and this is a place you go to that doesn't typically take tips, but I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to make sure that the person that fixed the sandwich gets a good tip. I'm going to make doggone sure that the person that bring, that brings the sandwich out to me is going to get a good tip too. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have to do basic foundational things to care for one another. And Kim and I learned that as we cared for one another, when Carly was in a difficult situation, that, that, that boy, you know, that strengthened us, that encouraged us. And so we can do that for people in the society too. you know, speak kindly, be interested in the people around you, you know, instead of just, okay, I'm going to bop in the car and get out of here as quick as I can, you know, actually care about the people, you know, so in this click list thing, you know, the person who comes out and brings us our groceries, you know. I, I put a mask on even outside. I put a mask on. I talk to the person. I thank them for their work. I ask them, are they protecting themselves? You know, are you wearing your mask inside? If they're not wearing their mask properly, I talk to them about how to wear it properly. You know, and I, you know, I want them to take care of themselves. Yeah. You know, we have to do those little kindnesses to one another. And if we do, what are we doing there? In a tiny way, we're sacrificing our self-interest for the interest of the other person. Okay. And, and Chuck talk about when we do that, we, there's benefits that we mm-hmm. receive. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, he who refreshes others mm-hmm. will himself be refreshed. Talk, yeah. talk about the blessings and the benefits that we receive when we honor mm-hmm. one another above ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, for me, uh, my, my favorite passage of scripture is Colossians 1. You guys know that. So I'll, I'll, go with the first, I'll go with the 15th verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, speaking of Christ. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when I'm, when I'm connecting with somebody out there, when I'm being kind to somebody out there, I'm actually participating in the work of God. 
Okay. I'm actually helping the fabric of the community hold together. So Kim and I, that's one of our favorite verses in the scripture. It's, it's my favorite verse. And so when we're out there and we're lovingly and caringly connecting with people, that's what we're doing. We're participating in the work of the Lord. The Lord is endeavoring to draw us closer together. That doesn't mean we perfectly agree with one another about everything. But we can still be kind. We can still draw together. We can still be sacrificial. We can still care more about the other than we care about ourselves. And when we do that, we are participating in the work of God. And we just have to see that. That's good stuff, Chuck. That's rich. Mm -hmm. Chuck, uh, we are wrapping up our time together. And uh, I just want to thank you uh, for, you know, in many ways, being a model to follow. Um, be an example to all of us, you and Kim and Carly, how you have, uh, you know, bonded together and live a life, not perfectly, but a life mm-hmm. that is this, in, in this coronavirus world, you are paving the way of how to live mm-hmm. humbly, mm-hmm. how to live with the mind of Christ and uh, be a servant to others. So, mm-hmm. Chuck, thanks so much for being on our show today. It's been an honor to have you back. Thank you. Uh, blessings to you and Kim and to Carly. And uh, we, we just pray God's blessings on you guys. Okay. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Chad. Oh, we're grateful for you, brother. Thank you. Well, as we saw, saw today and, and heard today, um, I was judgmental and, among other things, uh, when I would look at Chuck and think, why are you so worried about that? Well, the truth of the matter is Chuck wasn't wearing a mask and washing his hands for him. He was doing it for his daughter. And that little bit of sacrifice that he was having, whether it was social sacrifice, prideful sacrifice, the inconvenient sacrifice, was for someone who he did not see and was not there. He was worried about what he was doing for how it was going to affect someone later. And so... Um, well, it's, we probably, we need to, we need to be practicing a lot more kindness, a lot more sympathy, a lot more empathy. And the truth be told, we need to, uh, we need to listen to our Lordship of Jesus Christ and not your political al- allies. That's the Amen. truth for all of us. Amen. Right. And uh, that's a very sensitive topic. And uh, I had to get off social media today because I was getting mad at people who, who say, Hey, I follow Jesus, but yet they were talking in a way that was just really, it was a struggle. So that being said, it's a wrestle for all of us in different ways. So uh, I hope the listeners and watchers of this will say, hey, uh, there's a little bit more to the story than what than behind the mask, right? There's more to the story that, that's going on behind the mask. So thank you for watching. Uh, we hope to be doing these more often and hopefully even weekly. And also you can listen to our show that's currently airing. Uh, It's on uh, Friday evenings at 9 p.m., Saturday morning at 10 a.m., and then Sunday at 12 noon on 94.7 FM, uh, WFIA, and uh, Solid Steps Radio on Facebook. So thank you for watching, and we will see you next week. With every step I take.